What's going on, everybody? Welcome into this Tuesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Mark's going to join me and take over here in just a little bit. We're going to talk a lot about OTAs. We've got Steven Nelson in the show. we got a little bit with Davis Mills right off the top. But this show we do tonight uh, is coming with very heavy, heavy hearts for our people over in Uvalde, Texas, dealing with uh, another tragedy, uh, unspeakable tragedy. And I know we speak for everybody in the Texans family when we send our thoughts and prayers and well wishes and everything that we've got uh, out to that great city uh, out in Uvalde. Just an unspeakable tragedy that took place today. And we have always prided ourselves on this show. Sorry, we talk about football. We, that's what we do. And in some sense, we do it as an escape. But sometimes you can't escape real life. And it's unfortunate that this has become real life here uh, in, you know, not only in Uvalde, but in the United States, uh, in the O.C., uh, where my family uh, has been, um, just everywhere where we have seen unspeakable tragedies and lives lost. And to those that have perished today in Uvalde, the Texans family is with you and thoughts are with you uh, at this particular time. Now, like I said, this show has always been an escape. We talk about football. OTAs uh, started today, and that's what we are going to try and focus on as much as we can. We're not a we're not a news group. We can't bring you any more news that goes with it, but we just wanted for everybody to know where our thoughts were uh, as we do this show this evening. So we love you, Uvalde, and everybody there um, and all the families that have suffered unspeakable tragedy. That said, there's no easy segue uh, into talking about football, but that is what Mark and I do, and obviously out at OTAs, we talked about it last night a little bit, what our eyes were going to be going towards. And, of course, mine went immediately to the trenches. And I you know, I talked last night about how much juice does Jerry Hughes – do Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison have. And watching 55 Jerry Hughes, yeah, he's got some juice left. There's no doubt. I mean, just watching him move like, whoa, boy, he's got some – he's still got some juice coming off the football, and that's going to be – that's going to be fun if he can channel that for 17 weeks this year. But I walked out of there – and, and a lot of people watching the seven-on-seven seven stuff and watching quarterbacks throw, I was now watching the offensive line because I just that's just the way I'm wired. Mm-hmm. And I said it to either you or to Drew about this defensive line. There's 17 guys on this defensive line. 17. A, it's going to be the most difficult cut. And B, when all is said and done, that group is going to be, it's going to be better than anybody thinks. They've got a good a rotation plan. Plan. Listen to me. Like, they know what they're going to be doing opening day. I should be specific. They've got some good ideas on how to handle this group. Yes. And I think everybody has their role, and some guys can play multiple roles. They have a lot of bodies, like you said, 17, 17. bodies. And I'm eager to see what kind of pressure they can get on people after what we saw last year with players that weren't exactly household names right. making plays as the season wore on. You had to use basically everybody at all those games where you had guys yeah. hurt or COVID or whatever. Yeah. So you saw that last year. So let's see what you can do this year. Well, I think to that end, Mark, the 17-game schedule, you know, we talked to, to Coach last year about it. We talked to Lovey, but we talked to everybody about it. We talked to Nick about it. And football guys will be like, man, look, it's another game. At least publicly. Mm-hmm. Eh, it's another game. It's just another week. It's that much more difficult 
to take a 53-man roster week one and have that 53-man roster pretty much be even close to what you have at the end of the year. Right. It's just not going to happen. You're not – when I was going through and I was doing my position breakdowns, Mark, I – as I looked up guys' stats, I would see a guy that played 14 games, started 14. And I'm like, oh, he missed a couple – oh, no, he missed three games. Like, oh, there were very few guys that as I went through – and saw 17 games. Sure. 17 games started. It's just, it's not going to happen. Your depth is now so much more important than it's ever been to go through this marathon. Yeah, because you know, it, look, you look at a player and you like the player. Let's say it's not a pro bowler necessarily, but it's a player who can help the team. Right. They might be called upon to start at some point, right. or they might be a player that's really contributing, but you have to do without them for two, three weeks or possibly longer. So you better have a ton of depth. And this time of year, with close to 90 bodies, you have a lot of different players to look at. Everybody was looking at Davis Mills today. You and I had a brief talk with him yep. right after practice. It's been great. I feel like we've had a really good number in the building. Um, just really putting in a lot of good quality work um, with our guys. Um, a lot of chemistry built this offseason. We're obviously showing up and ready to roll into these OTAs, so it's been exciting. 365 days ago, you get drafted, you're here, you're going through your first OTAs. How different are you as a player and a quarterback than what you were a year ago at this time? Very different. Um, I mean, I like to think of myself as that really calm, collected, confident player, but when you're getting thrown into it for the first time, there's a lot of uncertainty um, that you have to face, and as you're learning the offense for the first time and seeing everything at this level for the first time, um, it's just a new feeling, but coming back and doing it this year, it's exciting to be back and kind of have this um, experience under my belt before. And really this year, you're able to just go through things a lot faster, not have to think too much and just go out on the field and react and have fun. We'll get you more of that Mills interview later on in the week. And later on in the show here today, Steve Nelson, new corner for your Houston Texans. Interesting guy. Drew Doherty is going to catch up with him. We'll have more likely to happen, but we've got a lot to get to here as far as what we saw with OTA practice. And Johnny, Lovey's right. You don't want to overreact to things this time of year. But I always point this out. This time of year, if I see offensive crispness, that's a really good sign. <laughs> yeah. Because I have seen a lack of that many occasions on Texans campus this time of year. 2016? I've, well, there was a tremendous lack at that point with Brock just coming in and trying to learn the offense and yeah. Savage looking better than Brock yeah. this time of year. And look, I am I, am I about to compare? Yep. Go there. Go. This Go. looked so much better than that. So much better than that. Yep. And that was year three of that coach's era. Yep. You know, and granted, breaking in a new quarterback sure. and all of that. But here you have Davis Mills in year two. And some of the incompletions, I mean, the ball's there. You know, you had right. some drops today. Not every throw was perfect, but you had some really nice throws today by Davis Mills and company. Yep. I mean, they were really doing a nice job. Love seeing Dorsett out there being a factor. And Brandon Cooks, obviously, having a really good practice. Brandon Cooks, already, it's only May and OTAs, and Brandon Cooks had one of those practices like, yes, I'm the alpha dog receiver on this team. Right. Thank you very much. But it doesn't mean that there aren't other talented players. Nico had some nice grabs today. I don't want to lose track of anybody here, but it was one of those everybody contributes kind of days. I saw a lot of good play in the passing game today. Yeah, I just one of the things that we talked about last night that we both would be looking at was, of course, a second year quarterback coming back after a year of playing. How much more comfortable does he feel? This is an offense that's going to have verbiage that he's familiar with. 
stemming from his time with Stanford, Pep being at Stanford, there's going to be some things he recognizes. And at that point, because he recognizes them, how does he then instruct guys that are hearing it for the first time? Or it's new to them for whatever reason. Or maybe they're not as accustomed to the way they're hearing it. They heard it a different way before. All that. Davis has got to be that guy that's got to bring that message to everybody else. How in charge is he at the line of scrimmage? I felt like I was watching a guy that was very much in control. That was very much, no, 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 you over here, wait, hey, over here, we're in this, we're in this, you're over here, good, stay, we're good, take a look at the defense, hey, look, I want to change the mic point, let's do this. There's just a lot of stuff that's going on that Davis, instead of thinking through it like he was last year, like thinking through, like, okay, what's step one, what's step two, he's just reacting the way that you would like a guy to be, that is just very much in command. He knows where he needs to be looking. He knows what the coverage is. He knows how the play matches the coverage and what he should be looking to do. It just, instead of, wait, what do I do now? What do I do? Okay, yeah, I do this. It, that thought of when you're doing something for the first time and you're thinking rapidly and you're trying to put all that and process all that as opposed to you just go out there and react because that and that's when the game slows down. And that's the way it felt today. game seemed slower for Davis today. And we had a chance when we were talking to him on and off the air. You could tell he just much more in command. Game slowed down for him. And now you just got to continue to get better with the guys that are around him every day. But you talked about the pass catchers. Drew and I talked about that on In the Lab, which you can go to our podcast page and get that. But we talked about Phil Dorsett. And it's one of those guys that you don't, you don't want to forget about. But it's the old adage, you, you can't coach speed. However... As a coach, you love to coach speed. You love to be able to say, my guy is going to run right by your guy. Or he's going to run a good route and run it fast. Right. He had some nice routes that were sort of semi-in traffic, short to medium range, and they were working on those elements of the passing game, and they were finding some success. Now, as I say, finding some success, you want to see your defense make some plays as well. The thing about this time of year, you can't really put pressure – on the quarterback the way you would in a real game. Right. And the offensive line can't really play full out the way they would in a game. Sure. So you're just looking for some proficiency in the passing game, particularly seven on seven. But in full team, I saw completions in full team practice today that I might not necessarily see this time of year from most Texans teams that I've seen. I remember walking over the bridge with Gary Kubiak once, and it was before Schaub could start practicing in 2012. It was still Yates, but they weren't happy with the offense at all this time of year. That was 2012. They went 12-4. and You know, Schaub came back. They played well, but they knew that there was a higher ceiling for them at this point in the season's development. Yeah, I – I liked what I saw from Davis Mills. Again, people are going to be like, oh, you sent him a Super Bowl. No, I'm not sending anybody to Super Bowl. We're just talking about some of the things that we liked with what we saw. And No, you just want to see him continue to improve and see yeah. the arrow go up and see, all right, we're headed in the right direction here. Your point is a good one, and that is over the years, how many times I, I remember 2016 walking back in after o- OTAs, the first OTA, and I, I remember we were sitting here going, uh, oh, boy. And yeah. I, 2016 is, I mean, it's a it's a great example and it's a bad example because that defense was just lights out. Um, and th- this defense isn't quite that. But I, watching the defensive line today and watching them up close, watching them against the offensive line, again, they can't make contact. You know, they can't collide like they will in a training camp practice or a preseason game, regular season game, et cetera. But one of the things that I have always loved to do at OTAs is just – look at the makeup of guys 
how are guys made up? Like, what do they look like? Are they, you know, do they look just sloppy and fat and out of shape, which is typically not the case. But especially with defensive linemen, you look at them and they come in all shapes and sizes. And this group was 17 of them. There's so many of them. But I'm sitting there and I'm like, dang, who's 92? Good God, he's got arms for days. He is just, oh, that's Rasheem Green. Oh, okay. That's, wow. And then I start kind of watching him. And I watch what he's doing inside out. It's kind of like we talked about. Man, this could be a really interesting signing. Yeah. And then you're like, the, then the whole rest of practice, I'm like, well, wait a second. Why didn't the Seahawks resign him? Like, what was it? Well, then they drafted Daryl Taylor. They run maybe a different defense. Maybe Green doesn't fit what defense they want to run. And maybe it was just an opportunity that was there. But I'm like, why did somebody else not sign him? I'm like, well, maybe it's good that somebody else didn't sign him. Maybe he's going to have the opportunity to grow here. And then I realized this guy's 25 years old. That's all he is. He's 25 years old. He's been in the league for five years. So he came in when he was 20. I remember writing that. That was my scouting report on him. He's young. His best football is going to be in the NFL because he was only in college for it seemed like a sneeze he was there for. And I felt like if you can allow him to grow, that's why I'm glad the Texans are his second team and not his first team. Kind of worked through some things with the Seahawks. But, man, he's got arms. He could touch the door from here. His wingspan goes on forever. He's going to be long, athletic. I'm really interested to see what they have with Rasheem Green. And I mentioned earlier, Jerry Hughes, does he have juice? Yeah. Yeah, he's still got some juice left. So should those guys be all pros and pro bowlers? No, but when you look at it and try and get a, a gauge on what it looked like last year, you're for that, you're for that, and what it looks like now, you're like, man, I like, I like the looks of what these guys, some of the new guys are bringing to the party. And then you got some guys, you know, like Roy Lopez. I don't think Roy was ever really out of shape last year, but he just looks much more in shape than even he looked last year. He looked, like, physically, he looked really, really good. Tree trunks. Oak legs. Okay? I mean, Redwoods, man. His his new nickname is Oak Legs because that's what it is. You know who's also got those? Dare. Ogunbowale. Oh, yeah. He caught a route and circled back by me and I'm like wow okay that's a strong that's a strong guy strong guy so I'm glad you brought up all right so running game yeah this time of year we talked about lack of contact but there is some contact yeah and they throw the ball a lot it's basically a passing camp a lot of coaches over the years have mentioned it like that I think O'Brien used to call it a passing camp in May, because right. you really can't hit. You really can't bring guys down. Well, you never want to bring guys down in camp, but you can't even right. thud the way you would in camp. Right. So what are you seeing in the running game? How do you evaluate run plays right now? Is it just get to the right spot? Do you have any juice going into the hole? We know the run plays over. Like, the minute any kind of yeah. contact yeah. is made, really. Go ahead and finish the run. By the way, you know who finishes their runs beautifully? Who runs out hard every single time, like he's fighting to make the club? 10-year veteran Rex Burkhead. That's why he's on this team. Well, he's also pretty good, and he can help you out. But he shows people how to do it, how to practice. Hey, nothing's guaranteed. I wasn't a first-round draft choice, but I'm in my 10th year. I run everything out. I play hard. I show up. I'm strong. I'm dependable. All of that stuff. I mean, look, there's there's not a first person on Rex Burkhead. No, that was good. There's... I don't want to say this 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 isn't rocket science because you know some football is, but it really isn't. If you if you work your tail off and you do what a coaching staff asks you to do, 
Now, there are going to be athletic limitations for, for every single player. Every single player at some point is going to reach an athletic limitation. Like this this player, okay, you're 34 years old. There are just certain things you cannot do. Anymore. Okay, that, that's fine. But the old adage of you can't coach effort, be a good professional. If you just do those things, if you just do them, you've got an opportunity to stick around for a long time. The fact is a lot of guys just don't want to do it. Yeah, a lot of guys don't want to do some of those little things like, oh, I'm kissing up to the coach. Or I'm not. They just don't want to do them, and they don't want to become better. They don't want to get any better by doing the little. Well, wait a second. How is if I if I run this out all the way to the goal line? That's just going to make me tired. Well, no, it's going to create a habit of how you do something as a top level professional. Right. Should habits. Do. Habits are formed, and that's why. When I thought about the Jerry Hughes and the Mario Addison signings, I watched Addison at some point today. Addison had the practice play call sheet in his hands and a pen the entire time as I was watching him. And he's marking off things. He's writing notes down. He's doing, he's not, he didn't work out, but he was, he was writing things down as he went. I'm like, that seems like such a simple thing to do. People notice that. But Addison's been in the league for how long? He's been in the league for 12 years. 100 years. 12 years. Right, he's 12. taking notes on the practice schedule right. as he's going through the second OTA practice. And he OTA played practice. for Lovey before in Chicago. So He, he knows I mean, the system. Yeah, exactly. So you have just you know guys doing little things. You, I mean, you can joke all you want about, oh, you're you know, kissing up to the coach or whatever, but when you're doing things – and you create that habit, and then you have some young kid, you know, some young rookie looking over there going, hey, what? hey, Rex, why do you run all the way down to the goal line? And Rex tells him because that's what you're supposed to do. That just creates that habit of you taking every run to the house. Yep. And then that guy starts and doing quickly, it. And quickly. Right. Not just right. lollygagging. Right. And then that guy does it. I mean, I saw, I saw one today. Um, somebody, somebody caught a pass, and they literally caught it. Kind of got bumped by a defender, stopped, and ran back to the huddle. And I was like, and as that, that player was going back, there were a couple other guys that kind of walked over and said, hey, you catch the ball. Run through that. You run through that and you turn it up. Yeah. You go upfield. Yeah. And that's the, what this time of year is for. Learn right. how to practice. Right. Learn how to practice. Learn how to be a professional. I mean, Nick said it sitting in here with us. What's his expectation of the rookies? And one of the first things he said was, learn how to be a professional. Rex Burkhead came into the league with that mastered it when he got with New England and is now sharing that here. And hopefully, you know, a guy like Damian Pierce is able to see what Rex does. And is like, you know what? I'm going to be like that guy right there. I'll tell okay. you what, Johnny, uh, watching the offense operate today, call plays, the types of plays they were running, it looked like it was there was total focus and also they're kind of having fun too, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I it wasn't like they were all cracking up, but – there was an upbeat sense of things, yeah. obviously a sense of urgency. It's May, a sense of urgency, and they were enjoying it. Yeah. You know, they were fired up to be out there trying to execute. It looked good, but, you know, it's day one, and we'll see where it goes from here, and no one's – I just hate all the – when you say something good, some people misread it to be that you're predicting a Super Bowl championship for this team. Right. Now, there's nothing more I would love right. than a Super Bowl championship. Right. All I'm saying is – they're moving in the right direction. Yeah. That's what you want to continue to build momentum, keep it positive, keep it going forward, and see where it takes you. Like I've always said, this team could be a lot better this year, and the record could be maybe better, but not a ton better because 
You didn't lose in blowouts. You lost close games instead, but you were a better team. I want to see better than that. I want right. to see them get over the hump, execute in the crunch, win as many as possible, all of that. I do believe they'll be a lot better. Look at where you are versus 365 days ago. Oh. Now Davis Mills is your quarterback. He's played a full year. And can we go here for a moment, please? The people who think that the third-round selection on Mills last year was this, that, the other thing, maybe not the best idea. This was a phenomenal idea, even if it doesn't work. And I'm going to explain why very quickly here. You drafted him last year. You played him last year in a season in which you really weren't winning that many games. I don't want to say anyway, but you really yeah. weren't w winning many games, right. right? You played him, and had he stayed at Stanford, based on the way he played in the NFL, I think he would have done pretty well at Stanford and would have been, I won't predict he would have been the number one pick in the draft. I'll just say, even a late first rounder, Johnny, even if Pickett would go in front of him, yep. you'd be in the mix to draft a quarterback this year. And you could have drafted him now. But he's been on your campus. You've seen him play. You know the guy. And he knows your system well because he spent the offseason with Pep. And I know Pep's system is a little bit different than what we saw last year. Yep. And that could be a very good thing. And that's why it's a good thing. And if it doesn't work, you still have two ones next year and two ones the year after that. Calm down, everybody. I'm done. Make sure you don't say what I told you off the air. Just don't say that because <laughs> I said about players drafted in the third round. But you asked me about the running game. And how do you evaluate it? And and it you know it's tough to to evaluate the run game even when pads go on. I mean sometimes that's that's even tough because you don't see guys break tackles. Sometimes the whistle is blown as soon as they get through the line of scrimmage. But I want to see how much juice guys have from the time that ball is snapped. They take it and they get to the line of scrimmage and beyond. And there are a couple of dudes that were carrying a football today that had some serious juice, serious juice, and maybe not the guys you're thinking of. But they had some serious juice. And I'll give you an example. Darius Anderson, his nickname is Jet for a reason. At George Ranch, he was amazing. At TCU, he was, I don't want to say the changeup back, but they had a big dude, and then they had Anderson. So Anderson was kind of the, well, he's got the speed. He's kind of our speed demon. So we're going to get him the ball out in space and do what we can. When Jet's got the ball in his hands, oh, boy. I mean, it's there's some electric movement because he can just jet. His, just like his nickname. His nickname is Jet. Now, can he be an effective in-between-the-tackles runner and he can prove that during preseason? I, I, I don't know. But I know when guys were getting the football as in the run game today, there was no hesitation. There was no slowness to the line of scrimmage, um, especially for a couple of guys. And I really like watching Damian Pierce. I really yeah. like watching him. And we'll I like see watching how it, the body language, the way he is in the huddle, the way he is with his teammates, the whole package. He was joking with Zach, our photographer. Zach was kind of standing off to the side trying to take pictures. He was even joking with Zach to get off the field so they could run some plays <laughs> and such. So he's got a great personality, and, and he'll be fun. But that personality um, is, is quirky and fun as long as he's running the ball for four and a half yards per carry. If yeah. he's on the shelf injured, then that personality is uh, grating and um, frustrating for the fans. So stays on the field, rushes for four-plus yards per carry. It'll well, be quirky. What, what, was, what did Bull Durham say? If you're winning 20 games in this show, you can go shower in your uh, show, grow fungus on your shower shoes, and you'll be eclectic. Right. Lose 20 in this show, and you'll just be a slob. That is so good. Bull Durham is filled with great quotes. And life lessons. Yes. I got to show it to Vanderkid. Yes. At least lots of parts of it, yeah. not necessarily <laughs> all of it. parts you can take out. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I watched it, you know, you see it a lot on over-the-air type 
networks or rather uh, you know, commercial with uh, with a lot of the ads and everything yeah. and edited slightly. If you watch Bull Durham uncut, there are some scenes that mm, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, a uh, couple of other things about OTAs. Love seeing what the running backs did, like you pointed out. Oh, one more thing on Pierce. Uh, you heard what Nick Casario's answer was when Sean and Seth asked him about Pierce and comparing him slightly to Mark Ingram personality-wise or whatever, and yep. Nick was really not having it. No. And I think he took it to be, hey, we're not going to compare a rookie's personality to a veteran who's got some pelts here right. as an NFL player, even though it's just a personality question, which yep. I found interesting. And you're right, Johnny. You, That's a football guy answer. It is personality. Personality is great, answer. and they probably love his personality. But you're right; you got to back it up. Not that he can't; uh, he'll just get the chance to prove it yeah. this time of year. And a lot of people, I, I haven't heard all the shows all day and everything, and the interpretations, and seen all the tweets. But I would imagine a lot of people are over-interpreting where the rookies are lined up, or what group they're in, or whatever. This is May, and <laughs> the like, cream will float to this the top. Is May. That's just stop. Yes, this is May. The cream will float to the top. Camp will sort everything out. Right. And you'll see how this thing breaks down. Now, coming up, positive story, very positive story, broke this morning in the NFL. We'll share that with you. Also, Steve Nelson coming up, Texans Corner with Drew Doherty. You don't want to miss that here on Texans Radio. Texans Radio. Texans Radio. Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you on Texans All Access. And as Johnny said at the top of the show, we're doing the show with heavy hearts tonight with what has happened with our neighbors in Uvalde with the mass shooting today and so many thoughts and so many prayers and so many things to say, but really not the space here to do it. Uh, but just to let everyone in the San Antonio area know, Uvalde area, everyone connected with that, not connected with that, that we are thinking about that an awful lot and let's get on with the rest of the program here and you know try to bring some positive news i know it's sports it's a completely different front completely different context but that's what we do here on the program anyway johnny positive nfl story today you know which one i'm thinking about yeah indianapolis staying as a combine host for 2023 2024 yes. and our buddy sean pendergast retweeted what ian rapaport had tweeted out and he's like i don't get this one okay I get you. I understand, Shawnee. He was he was like, why do people care? Why do they care? Because it's our house. Yeah, Sean. It's the it's the house we rent every December. It's or our VRBO in or February. We go to the same one. We know where everything is in the dark. We yep. can get from our bed to the bathroom and not have yeah. to worry about what's in the way. Some people are taking know. you literally right now, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Which, you know, at the Greenbrier, I rented the same house, which right. sounds better than it was. Like, this right. is a 100-year-old place in the downtown area of White right. Sulphur Springs. That wasn't that nice, but I loved it. No. But anyway, Indy is the place that we're very comfortable with. The league is comfortable. The medical stuff. It's a working thing the combine that's why i thought you can't just send it to vegas and say have at it guys there's a lot that goes into it and i think they like it that there aren't too many distractions as far as there aren't too many fans i honestly believe that they do like that yeah. that it's not overridden with fans you got a ton of media coverage out of there we sent yeah. our whole crew right and a lot of people do but you don't have a ton of fans as a major distraction to what needs to be accomplished there but we all sort of live in the same neighborhood though you know, mm. I mean, we might be down at the end of the street, right? You know, in the one story where they're, you know, down the street in the in the mega mansion, right? But we're at least in the neighborhood. They sure. at least see us, 
you know, when they're leaving and, and hey, Joey, hey, Johnny, and yeah. all that. So we're at least in the neighborhood. You bring fans in, God knows where they're coming from. I mean, they're they're from the you know a different county. It's like why would you don't want the different county coming into your neighborhood, right? Right. It's, it's that kind of thing. But using your White Sulphur Springs uh, <laughs> analogy, yes, you did stay in the same house. I could see where some people would be saying, well, what if we upgraded the house? Yeah. Maybe it would be better, and maybe you just need a year or two to get over it. Yeah, maybe, but I don't know. But I'm all old. the infrastructure. I'm old, and I am very set in my ways when it comes, especially to the combine, and I like Indianapolis. It's not just about getting people in a stadium to watch these workouts. That's a very small part of it. That is. To the team. The that's the smallest it's part true. of it's it. It's true. You're it's right. And to the league, that's the most marketable thing. Because to the teams, the most important thing is the medical information you right. get out of there. They would have to have probably a separate medical combine, and they don't want to make the guys have to fly to two different places right. if they did it in Vegas, for instance. But it's the medical information they get and the interviews and just being around. They might not say this out loud. Maybe they will. But it's a convention, yep. and it's a chance for everybody to get reacquainted with each other. Right. Uh, it's a chance for GMs and agents to talk. Yes. Right. And have some preliminary conversations. Nothing official, of course, until the legal tampering period. Right. But you know what I mean? Just yeah. to sort of touch base Talk. on things and touch base with other people around the league. So I think it's good that they're leaving it there. That's awesome. Next positive story. The Pro Bowl might be going away, might be going away. I don't like that. Right. I actually think the Pro Bowl, if you played it as thud, which it kind of is now anyway, it's not the most entertaining thing in the world, but I think you should still play it. But here's what I think, Johnny. You've got to get this thing back to Hawaii somehow. You need to put the Pro Bowl in Hawaii for the very simple reason of that's how you're going to get the best players to want to play. They love going to Hawaii. Hawaii still has a mystique and a lure to it, and they are renovating Aloha Stadium starting in 2023. That means by the time you and I are you know, re fully retired and in an assistance home, then we can have the Pro Bowl back in Hawaii, I guess. I don't know. You take NFL honors and a Pro Bowl week and you move it out to Hawaii oh. and it's a reward. Oh. It's a reward for the players. Yes. For the season. Yes. Ask me the last time I watched the Pro Bowl. When was the last time you watched the Pro Bowl? Before I got in the building. Mm. I have not watched it since. Now, I, watched I would watch snippets of Hops, snippets, JJ, snippets, and, and Deshaun a little. I bit. watched I, it I live watch a couple it. of times, and it's tough live. I can't watch it. Okay, I, I can't watch it. It's like I mean, watching. I mean, I don't even know what I'm watching. Maybe you should just like, make it a know. festival and do it all in Hawaii. Right. That's what I'm saying. There's some. There's, there's got to be some. Uh, I saw. I think it was Ocho Cinco who brought up the concept of bringing back some of the some of the OGs guys that have been in the Pro Bowl. You know. Uh, that you know retired from the game, break them out there. I think there's, I think you can make it a sort of NFL season celebration. Yeah, and therefore, you know, you know, guys that get voted to the Pro Bowl. I mean, I, I know they have it in their contract, what, whatever you know. But NFL offers them, you know, hundred grand. They're out there for the whole week. Um, you know, they, you know, NFL picks up everything. They have events. You know, maybe they do some sort of community event in Hawaii. But you're right. It's got to. The only way you're gonna get. The only way you're going to get players is, hey, this thing is in Hawaii. They're not going to go to Orlando. They'll no, flock no to Orlando. Hawaii. And you do NFL honors in Hawaii, full attendance. Yes. There's do you not know who the MVP is the week before as opposed to the night before? Because it, you don't bring it. You don't bring in the playoffs in, into I account. Liked, I liked the Pro Bowl when it was after the Super Bowl, too. So maybe they can solve that one. 
I did like those stories today, and we'll see what they do at the Pro Bowl. By the way, University of Hawaii, you pointed this out to me. They are playing in a new stadium, but it's kind of yeah. small. Yeah, it's a smaller. It's a college it's venue. not NFL worthy, and Aloha Stadium has been condemned, so they really <laughs> need to uh, have a new one anyway. Yes. So It has. It's bad. It was, such, it was terrible. such a dump. But there was a lot of history there. But it was a Hawaiian dump, which is totally Totally different. different. Totally you know what different. it reminded me of? The Orange Bowl. And a little bit of... The OB was your dump. A, it was my dump. And a little bit of Estadio Azteca. Okay? When yeah. we were in there, I was like, I got a little Aloha Stadium vibe from this place. And L.A. Coliseum. Just old yeah. West Coast kind of thing. I know Mexico City is different. But right. uh, that's the vibe I got from Estadio Azteca. Despite the improvements that they did, they need to keep improving it. Yeah. Uh, for more league success there. Eventually, the Texans will go back to Mexico City and play a game because that's sort of an unofficial or an official, actually, home away from home for the Houston Texans. But that was pretty cool. I've got a more likely to happen, but we're going to do it later in the week here. Coming up, Steven Nelson. Let's hear from him. Defensive back for your Houston Texans. Want to hear what he has to say with Drew Doherty. Some interesting off-field stuff from him as well. Coming up here on Texans All Access. It's Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you out at the practice field today following the OTA session. Drew Doherty, you know, he's back at it with Drew's dozen out on the field. And he visited with new Texans defensive back Stephen Nelson. Stephen, welcome to Houston. Glad you're here. It's good to see you. Uh, tell me about your farming. Man, my farming, man. It's, it's one of those things where it's therapeutic for me. Um, you know, me and my wife pretty much, we had an idea. Uh, back when we were in Arizona, it was like, man, we need, you know, we need some more space. So uh, that's what we did, you know, bought, you know, a lot of land uh, north of Houston pretty much. And, uh, you know, we got to start a whole little, you know, agriculture, uh, livestock farm, you know. So it's real good to get the kids out, you know, and just enjoy the outdoors. I'm sure you love all the animals and you don't want to play favorites. But of the animals, what's, what's your favorite type of animal to deal with livestock-wise? Livestock, I'll probably say my goats. Um, my goats are pretty cool, man. Um, they're very smart. Uh, people, some people compare them to dogs. Like you can, they'll remember their names, you know, stuff like that, which is pretty cool. But I'll have to say my favorite animal is probably my peacocks. Yeah. Really? How many you got? Two. Yeah. When they peacock out, is it just like the greatest thing ever? It's the great. It's the greatest thing, but it also can get a little annoying because they do them at random hours, and you never know really why. You know what I mean? But they're really good, you know, just for, you know, farming and stuff like that. They keep the snakes away and stuff like that, but beautiful creatures. Peacocks keep the snakes away. Maybe you knew that. I didn't know that, so we're <laughs> learning here on Drew's Does. I, right. I appreciate that. That's right. good to know. Right. Okay, uh, let's go a little further. Uh, what's your current superpower? My current superpower? Um, probably the ability to read people. Um, I don't know what, that, what you would call that. What would you call that? Uh, for the ability to read people. Oh, yeah, ability to read people, right? So I don't know. I kind of – I'm not going to say, like, judge. You know, that's kind of a hard hard word, but just read people, you know, body language and stuff like that. What are you reading for me right now? Really cool guy. Uh, interested to get to know me, you know, right now. Really cool. You guys hear that? I don't hear that often, so thank <laughs> you. For, okay, what's the superpower you wish you could have? Any superpower. Any superpower. Um, I mean – Probably the ability to kind of breathe underwater. It's a good one. Like an, you're an Aquaman yeah, guy. Aquaman, yeah. I just watched the movie, so, you know, I thought it was pretty cool, you know, kind of mingle with the fish. Mingle with the fish. Okay, with all that in mind and knowing that you, uh, you're you a bit of a farmer now, you got uh, you got a go-to 
dish that you can cook? Go-to dish. Um, go-to dish. Uh, I'm a pasta guy, so kind of like an Italian mm-hmm. sausage type of dish. You know what I mean? A little spice herbs from the garden. You know what I mean? A little parsley in there, a little bit, basil, you know, red spaghetti sauce. It's my type of guy. I had Italian sausage and pasta on Sunday night, so this is good stuff. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. we're going here. Okay, first concert you ever attended? First concert ever attended? Um, it had to have been like a uh, maybe Future. Future. It was Future and Chris Brown actually together. That's a pretty good first concert. Oh, yeah, it was crazy down in uh, in Vegas, you know, so, you know, got a little, you know, things involved, you know what I mean? So had a good time, had a good time. Things involved, yeah. don't know what that means. Okay, you're a fast dude. Uh, let's say you're on the 4x100 team and it's yeah. only Texans. You're on it. Who are yeah. the other three guys on it with you? Other three guys, man, got to go with my guy Cooks. Um, been, been around him for a while. Got to go with Dorsett. Been playing against him for a while. And a third guy, I got to bring somebody else along on defense. Let me see, man. Um, God. So you balanced it out. You were obviously a defensive yeah, back. You've yeah, got two, two defense and two offense. You, you know, got Philip Dorsett. You got Cooks. You got Brandon Cooks. Um, two receivers. So who's the defensive guy? I'm probably going to go with J.O. I think he can run a little bit. Jonathan Owens. Yeah, I think he can run a little bit for right now. I haven't too much seen the rookies, you know, but I know down the line we'll get to see them. You're reserving the right to add a rookie at a later yeah, date, maybe yeah. bump one of those guys. Yeah, up. yeah, you know, they got to earn it. Tell me a little bit more about Cooks. You brought him up. You guys played for a season together, 2013, yeah. at Oregon State. Yeah. That's got to be kind of nice coming back to the team and knowing some yeah. an old familiar face. Yeah, uh, you know, Cooks always been one of those guys that's been in my corner um, since I got to Oregon State. Um me and that guy, we, we worked hard against each other in practice. Um, kind of showed me the way of, uh, you know, showed me how to be a pro early. You know, he's always kind of had that ability to kind of influence people with his work ethic. Um, so, you know, just, you know, being around him, you know, being back in the building kind of brings back some old memories. Do you find yourself doing that? I mean, you've been around the league for a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself kind of imparting a bit of knowledge and wisdom on some of the younger guys? Most definitely, man. Um, you know, any type of advice that I can always give on the field or off the field, you know, these guys come in with a million questions, you know, and I've obviously been through, you know, majority of the things that they ask about, you know, just, you know, more of, you know, just being a big brother type of figure to them and, um, you know, just trying to help them out. Speaking of advice, football advice, non-football advice, what's the worst advice you've ever been given? Can you remember that? Man, I ain't gonna put, I ain't gonna say no name to put nobody on the spot, man. But worst advice, I believe it had to be my rookie year, and uh, we had some older guys, and man, they were always just going out partying. They tricked me one night, and we had like a I don't know a 9 a.m. practice in the morning, and it was like, yeah, Steve, come out, we're just gonna have a dinner, and then next thing you know, dinner turned into this, turned into an after party. And, bro, I just went to work so dead and uh, just ex- exhausted, bro. So that's the worst advice I would give. You needed that rest. You yeah, didn't need, you need the rest, man. You know, I don't know how they was able to do it. But if I can give the rookies advice, get your rest. Get your rest. And yeah. that probably applies to, you know, non-football everybody, players too. Everybody. Everybody. Got to be at your best. All right, let's uh, wrap this up. Who would you want or which actor would you want to play you if there was a movie about your life? Which actor? Um... I'll probably say uh, 
Idris. What's his name? Idris. Uh, Idris Elba, Stringer, Stringer Bell from The Wire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he plays a numerous roles, and I feel like, you know, he can kind of, we don't look alike, I'm not saying that, but I think he can kind of play the role, you know what I mean, if I gave him a script. Yeah, I'd have Brad Pitt play me. I don't yeah, look like Brad know, Pitt. Yeah, yeah, you know, just you ask the question, you know. <laughs> Obviously, I like him, and I think he can get it done. Who's the person not related to you that inspires you or has inspired you the most? Not related to me? Um, I'd probably say uh, my college coach, um, Rob Perry. He uh, played NFL back in the day and coached in the NFL as well. So he's always been like a mentor to me um, still to this day. And, uh, you know, just always kind of being like my role model that I'm trying to be to these younger guys, you know what I mean? So I feel like we always need somebody in our corner. Correct me if I'm wrong, he had a really big hand in having you become a Beaver, didn't he? Yes, yes. He came down um, to my junior college and recruited me. He flew all the way down to Georgia, saw my family, sat in, in, in our house and stuff like that. So, you know, real good dude, um, genuine guy, and, you know, just always wanted the best for me. You went to College of the Sequoias for junior college. Uh, what's your impression of sequoias? Is that your favorite tree, or is there another favorite tree for you? Uh, it's a great tree, um, but I don't know. I kind of I'm kind of into the oaks right now. I got a lot of oaks on my pro- uh, oaks on my property right now, and it just I don't know some about them. Some majestic about them. majestic yeah, trees. That's the word. There we go. Let's end it on that note. It's been a majestic interview in my estimation <laughs> because you've given the goods. So I appreciate it, Stephen Nelson, and welcome to the Houston Texans. Thank you. I appreciate you. Drew Doherty with Steven Nelson out at the practice field today. And, Johnny, how does Nelson fit in to this D? How good can he be for Lovey Smith? Well, I think it's going to be an interesting fit for him in this defense. He's a physical guy. He's, like I said earlier, we're talking about Stingley. We're talking about the guys at corner. I think Nelson's put together. It's interesting because my vision of Steven Nelson a long time ago was that he was kind of a like 5'9-ish, 190 or 185, kind of short nickel corner. He's not. He's 5'11". Put together pretty well. He walked by me as he was going to talk to Drew, and I thought, boy, he's put together pretty well. So I think he fits his defense very, very well. The key for any corner to be in this defense is not about you playing man. It's about whether you're going to come up and strike and be physical out on the edge. And not every defense mm-hmm. asks, his corners, asks corners to do that. Can Steven Nelson do that? I think he can. I think he's physical. I think Stingley can do that. Uh, I think that's why Stingley was, was a hot property for them at number three. So I think Steven Nelson can do that. And I think your combination of Nelson Stingley, Desmond King and Stingley, Desmond King and, and Steven Nelson, you've got some physical guys that will go out there and they will strike and make plays out on the edge. Okay, we got uh, about 90 seconds left. I wanted to get one more guy thrown your way, and that would be another new guy here, and that would be Darrell Daniels, who is a tight end, University of Washington, Arizona Cardinals, one of those impossible not to notice players. Yeah, he's big. He's big. He's big. Six four two fifty seven. I think was what uh, I read yesterday. And you see him up close, and you're like, okay, boy, he's put together. And you can use him in a number of different ways. I mean, last year they used Anthony Arclair, who I think is a a similar size wise player. You think that's a guy at that size has to put his hand in the dirt and block those those six and nine techniques. That is really, really difficult, but you've got to be able to hold up physically to be able to do that. Daniels might be a guy they use a little bit more uh, H-back-ish in a, in a blocking capacity. I don't know. We'll see how they end up using him, but you bring him to the to the tight end party and see, see what you have got in that guy. But, man, he is big and he is physical. And I remember him coming out of Washington being very athletic. So five years in, Still has a little bit of that, but he's 
probably about 10 to 15 pounds bigger than he was when he left Washington. So there probably was this thought of, you got to turn yourself into a Y blocking tight end, a physical guy, probably not going to catch a ton of passes. But I think the athleticism is there to catch passes, but I think he's going to be asked, his role is you're going to block people. You're going to move people and help this running game. Tight end group getting very interesting for sure. Tomorrow's show, you've got in the lab, maybe some Nico Collins. We'll hear more as the week goes on. Texans at work, OTAs. It's fun. It's May. It's coming up soon enough. Training camp. Can't wait. Two months from now. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great night. Go Texans.